When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Something really big just happened, with important implications for our health. For nearly 20 years, scientists have been trying to decode all the DNA that comprises our genetic instructions. And now they've done it, publishing the first complete sequence of the human genome. You always hear people talking about a watershed moment, an inflection point, blah, 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 in their field. But to me, this is actually a fundamental transformation of how researchers and geneticists and clinicians are going to start thinking about their patient's genetic code and how it relates to human disease. Now, the thing is, something similar was announced in the early 2000s. It was called the Human Genome Project, and it officially wrapped up nearly 20 years ago. We are here to celebrate the completion of the first survey of the entire human genome. Without a doubt, this is the most important, most wondrous map ever produced by humankind. Back then, scientists knew, even as it was being announced, that the map, it wasn't really complete. There were still some gaps. About 8% of the genome was still unsequenced, a mystery. Now, some scientists at the time thought we didn't even need that 8%, that it was junk DNA. But a small, tenacious group believed those gaps could contain important information, and they kept working at it. And now, for the first time, we have the whole thing. And researchers are saying that gives them a true Rosetta Stone for human genes, a reference guide for looking at genetic variation and difference, a massive leap forward in our quest to understand diseases and what makes humans human. From the Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Janet Babin. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Evan Eichler, a professor of genome sciences at the University of Washington. He's one of the lead researchers of a group of about 100 who helped unlock this last piece of the human genome. His research focuses on using the genome to try to understand developmental disabilities and autism in children and to understand the evolution of genes that allowed humans to develop large brains. Eichler and I discussed the journey he's been on for decades to decode those gaps in our understanding of the human genome, why he defied the skeptics, and why this discovery is important to unlocking a whole new world of medical care and treatments. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. Immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. 
As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code podcast. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. Hi, Dr. Eichler. Welcome to the Wall Street Journal's Future of Everything. Uh, it's my pleasure. At the press conference where you and your colleagues announced that you'd finished sequencing a human genome, you said something that struck me, and I'd like listeners to hear what it was you said. I'll just simply say, hallelujah, we finally finished one human genome. The best is yet to come, so no one should see this as the end. It's the beginning, I think, of a transformation. So I wanted to ask you, what is that best that's yet to come that you were referring to there? Well, you know, this is looking now 10 years and probably 15 years beyond, right? The best to yet to come is it's this. By sequencing one genome completely, we now have the ability to understand, and this is really important, variation completely. When you have just one sequence, but it has lots of gaps in it, in a given child that has disease or an adult that's suffering from age-related macular degeneration or has coronary heart disease, there are all these regions that may be relevant to their health that can't be ascertained. This idea that we can actually build additional complete sequences, first from other humans that have no real obvious disease, but then from individuals that have disease, means that we're going to be able to get access to other genetic risk factors that both protect and predispose individuals from disease. So the transformation is a whole new way in my mind of thinking about human genetic variation. Instead of just taking sequences and lining them to a reference genome and saying, you have a change in this space and this space, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we don't understand and we're not gonna characterize. I think what's ultimately gonna happen, you know, if you and I live long enough, is our entire genomes are gonna be completely T to T sequenced. We're actually gonna have a complete understanding of all the genetic variants that make Janet, Janet. All the genetic variants that contribute to Evan being Evan. And on top of that are all the other things that we're gonna learn about ourselves as a species, where we came from, how we're related, all that's grand. But to me, that's transformational because I think this is gonna improve the quality of our life. Uh, ultimately, when genomes become routinely T to T sequenced, which means you know from end to end, we're gonna understand so much more of the variation that makes us who we are. T to T, so telomere to telomere. Correct, correct. You do keep stressing it's a human genome that's been completely sequenced, not the human genome. And I'd just like to go over that nuance and why that matters. Yeah. I mean, I think it matters even more now because we realize how much complexity there is in a single human genome. And because there's that complexity and we know that those regions are going to be very different, it would be premature to say that we understand everything about the human genome from basically this one sample of 7 billion of us, right? So I think the challenge going forward now is to do this for humans from a diverse set of backgrounds. So let's do lots of Africans, let's do lots of Asians, individuals from the native populations of the Americas, of Australia. Let's understand all the diversity that exists around us because the human genome really is the sum total of all of our genomes. And of course, we won't sequence, at least in my lifetime, all 7 billion people this way. But ultimately, this will be that every human will have their genome as part of their medical record at some point in time. 
But having essentially, you know, this first pass, this first complete version will allow us to build a true representation of all the genetic diversity of all the different peoples on our planet. And to me, that is, that is truly a rich resource and better than the pyramids of Egypt, in my opinion. Uh, that will last forever and will be used by future generations forever. And the pan-human genome? It's exactly that. It's basically all human genomes. It's a concept. So the question is, how much is enough? And you know, if you ask a geneticist, it's never enough. They always need to do more, right? In terms of, let's say, understanding all the variation that occurs at a frequency of 1% in the population, there's some estimates that say if we did a thousand well-selected samples, we would have that. That's a good starting point. Again, I don't think that's the end because it's a lot of this rare variation that is very important for protection and disease risk in the population. So we need to keep on building for generations to come. I remember hearing about this, though, when the Human Genome Project was completed way back in 2003. So that was nearly 20 years ago. To be fair, I mean, back in 2003, when they announced the finishing of the human genome, most of the genes, and it's still true, most of the genes, which are largely considered by people to be the functional bits, were fully resolved, which means we understood those particular pages very well. The parts that were missing, I mean, some people recognized them as being very important back then, but the sequencing technology really wasn't up to where it needed to be to do it. And the way to think about that is the way we sequenced genomes back then involved getting little pieces of information. And what has happened over the last 10 years is the ability to actually sequence very large kind of segments of the DNA. So much, much larger than we had done before. But there were large chapters or large segments that don't have a lot of genes. They're fairly poor in the genes, but they are very, very repetitive and very complex. So in simple terms, if you think about it, if you're given a jigsaw puzzle and it has 10,000 pieces and there's a whole bunch of little trees that look very similar to one another, it takes forever to assemble that jigsaw puzzle. But if you now have a jigsaw puzzle that's 100 pieces, even though there's lots of little trees that look very similar, there's are big pieces now that can be assembled. And that's essentially what has happened over the last 20 years. Technology has moved to the point that allows us to completely sequence from end to end the easy and the difficult bits of a human genome. Would you say we're still figuring out what some of those little pieces are? Or now you can say we definitely have the entire picture. We have the entire picture for one human genome. There's a lot of differences between us. And I think the differences between us are actually bigger than we first anticipated because these regions that are difficult, they change very quickly between different humans. And so some of the things that not only that make us uniquely human and that are important for our chromosomes to divide, it's important for our cells to divide, are in these difficult bits. But some of the things that actually make us uniquely susceptible or protected from given diseases probably remains in these regions. And so, yes, it's just the beginning. One is not enough. We now need to sequence hundreds and we will do thousands now that we have figured out how to do one. It's just like any other process in life. Once you figure out how to do it first time, you get through it. The next time is much easier. And that's where we are right now. We're starting on our third and our fourth. And I think we have a list of 20 genomes that we want to do within the next year or two. And in so doing, understand really some of the big and small differences that distinguish different people, particularly with respect to disease. 
Up next, genetic researcher Evan Eichler talks about the next frontier in genome exploration and the changes coming in medicine that'll impact our everyday health. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to bring up a quote from Susumu Ono, the geneticist famous for his research on how genes determine sex. I believe he wrote in the 70s that there was so much, quote, junk DNA in our genome. Many scientists still held that view in 2003 and didn't consider the unsequenced 8% of the genome as being all that important to human health. I wondered if you could comment on that. Well, I'm a huge fan of Susumu Ono. He's actually been one of my favorite scientists over the years. But the term junk is an unfortunate term because it's a reflection, unfortunately, of ignorance of, of what we just don't know, not in a pejorative sense, but just what we don't know about a genome. The genes that are important for our cells, each of our cells produces proteins. Those proteins are what makes our eye cells work and it makes our gut cells and our heart cells work. But those genes are critical for actually building the little factories in our cells that actually mass produce these proteins. So if you didn't have those repetitive genes in the junk, so to speak, you basically would not live, you would not divide. And lastly, and this is stuff that has happened only in the last decade, you know, people have been interested in what makes us uniquely human. What distinguishes us from chimpanzees and gorillas? Genetically, we're very, very similar, and that's been known for decades. Well, it turns out that some of the genes, I think there's like three or four now that have been identified, that are important for building a bigger frontal cortex. So that's the part of your brain that is important for language and higher cognitive function and so on. That's encoded in genes that are in the junk portion of the human genome. When we sequenced the human genome back in 2003, those genes weren't there. So unfortunately, in this case, Susumu was wrong. And it, we know now that these regions are incredibly important. From without them, you cannot live, you can, your cells cannot divide, and you can't be a human being. It doesn't get much more important than that for us, I think. What does having a human genome completely sequenced mean for our everyday health? Access. Access to information relevant to disease risk. I think that's the simple answer. There is a gene called LPA, lipoprotein A, and it's been known for years to be associated with coronary heart disease risk. And the business end of that gene, the tail of that gene, is made up of a repetitive sequence that's repeated over and over and over again. And it makes either some people have a very long protein or a very short protein. And when that protein gets too short, people have disease risk. So they have an increased risk of coronary heart disease. And it's specifically prevalent among individuals of African-American descent. But the real irony is that we've known this relationship between the gene and its length for decades, but 
until really the last couple of years, we've never been able to routinely sequence it. And now we sequence it. And not only can we see the length and predict the length that a person or a child has, therefore their risk of developing coronary heart disease, at least in part, but we can also see the little mutations that are inside the long tail of that gene. The ability to actually improve essentially associations for genetic risk for coronary heart disease are there because we now can sequence that gene not just once, but a thousand times over because of these advances in the long read technology and the ability to get through these difficult bits. So this is just one example of literally hundreds of areas of our genome that have immediate clinical relevance. More of this information is gonna really help improve our predictions for people's quality of life and quality of health going forward. So you do seem to be saying that you expect that we'll begin to see sequencing at scale now? Like for instance, do you anticipate this type of analysis will be cost-effective for individuals and possible to achieve more quickly? Yes, it's not cost-effective right now to in implement in the clinic. It just isn't right now. It's still too much money to actually do a genome this way. But if you've seen sequencing costs over the decades, you realize they keep coming down. Every technology goes down in price and throughput goes up. And so there will be advances from two companies, Oxford Nanopore and PacBio, but also probably new companies that will emerge over the next decade that will actually probably be pivotal for making this a commonplace. Dr. Eichler, are you saying that in many ways, what we do with the human genome is limitless now, or will there be more challenges ahead? Oh, there are huge challenges ahead. Um, yeah, I think it is limitless, but you know, humans need to actually self-regulate in terms of how they, they use this information. So it's used to advance our understanding, our knowledge of where we come from, advance our human health not to actually use it as an excuse to discriminate or to punish or to do you know, malevolent things. But that's, that's the human dilemma from the beginning of time, right? With every new technology, how do we use it? How do we apply it? It's really the beginning for so much more exciting research for the next 10, 50, 100 years. That was Evan Eichler from the University of Washington. He's one of the lead authors of The Complete Sequence of a Human Genome, alongside Karen Miga, Adam Philippi, and a team of about 100 researchers from around the world. There is a link to their paper in our show notes, along with a link to more Wall Street Journal coverage of this scientific achievement. So what do you think? Would you want your personal genome sequence to be a part of your medical chart? Let us know. Tweet us at WSJ Podcast. And I'm at Janet Jenna Babin. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. Our sound designer is Jessica Fenton. Our fact checker is Maddie Bender. Our producer is Caitlin Nicholas. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. And I'm Janet Babin. Thanks so much for listening. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. 
drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. Coming soon from the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.